Kiss from the rose on the green. Ooh, Okay, I'm good. <laughs> I was checking my audio. <laughs> we just both tried to like mini harmonize on it. Oh, it was terrible, but you know, it was fun. It's a mess. This is a mess of an intro. Anyway. Hey, everyone. Yeah. Hey, everyone. I'm Halise, a digital storyteller and video producer. And I'm Mr. Halise, and I can't find my short size online. Yeah. And this is the Stumblewell podcast. Your favorite? No, nope, we're not your favorite. You're a married couple that you know talking about stuff. You don't want to assume that. I'm not going to assume that I'm. We're your favorite couple. It's a lot of assumptions. Life's a journey. <laughs> anyway, this is the Stumblewell podcast. A couple that you know talking about life, relationships, and other such things. Life's a journey. You're going to stumble through it. Why not stumble well with us? <laughs> I just don't feel welcomed here. Mm-hmm. And here not being San Antonio, I feel great about San Antonio. But I just don't feel welcomed here in this country. I'd feel, it's like, yeah, I'm an American, but I feel like I don't actually ever really truly get to embrace that identity, actually. I feel like I'm an American with an asterisk. Terms subject to change, exclusions apply. And I mean, I don't disagree with you. I mean, we're historically disenfranchised people. And a lot of the foundations of democracy or the republic uh what is it democratic republicanism <laughs> uh representative democracy that we that we have um those were all brought up not with us in mind right and so now we're being kind of shoehorned into these experiences and with these rights and all that other stuff and you know it doesn't feel like the shoe fits but we're just gonna walk in walk in the walk with it well, I was born in this country. No one's going to make me not feel like I was part of this country when I'm, I have just as much rights as any other jackass. Mm. I'm rambling at this point. You are. But my thing is just like, why stay here then? What's the point of staying here? Because it's everywhere. That is it everywhere? Of, that type of idiocy is everywhere. I mean, I guess that type of idiocy is everywhere, sure. I think... It's not that I'm looking for, and I think it was um, Nappy-Headed Jojoba who like did a vi- video about this, but it's not that I'm looking for a utopia. Okay. I'm definitely not. But I would be curious, I am interested to see what it feels like to not be afraid to exist in my own apartment. Hmm. I actually don't know what that feels like, you know? You know, just take off a layer of difficulty. That's what I'm most interested in. The difficulty being racism? Sure. I mean, I think there's multiple layers to it. So there's the difficulty of being a a woman, and then there's the difficulty of racism, and then there's those two things combined, and what does that mean? And then it's a different type of difficulty if, depending on who is in proximity to me as well, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I'd be curious to know what that feels like to take a layer of difficulty away for example when i was in london both times i was in london actually there was a layer of difficulty removed now i don't know if this is because i am because of my upbringing i just don't feel as scared over there um because one the police don't have guns 
So there's just already a layer of fear that is gone because like nobody, I mean, I'm sure there's gangs or whatever there too that maybe have firearms or whatever, but. That's actually stabbings are um, the biggest uh, sure. killer in the UK. So, but it's like, there's not that immediacy of someone can just bust out a lethal weapon and just shoot me. And so there is a layer of just, that, that is a layer of difficulty that has been removed that I didn't realize I could, f- that I didn't even actually realize I was conscious of that I was feeling when I was here in the United States until I left. Like, can you tell me somewhere I can go in the United States where that's possible? But, but with no guns? I mean, I guess, sure, with no guns. When, no, like, I'm, I'm asking, what, what's the, what are you asking me? Like, a place where you can go where there's not the risk of discrimination and or threat of violence? I mean, I know there's always going to be the risk of discrimination. That's just how it is. I'm a dark-skinned person. I just have to move through the world differently. Like, mm. I have accepted that. But can you, <laughs> like, here's another example. I, as a black American, get nervous around police, Right? Like, I can't not get nervous around police, <laughs> even though I have done nothing wrong. <laughs> I, have, I should have nothing to fear. I am a law-abiding citizen. I pay my taxes, all that kind of fun stuff, right? And so, but I am just generally nervous around them because mm-hmm. of the track record. Again, when I was in London, we, I was there for a conference, a tech conference when I was older. And even the police, like, It was a tech conference, and so, you know, they're doing screenings as you come in, because they had, by that point, they had had a few terrorist attacks, and just things like that. Mm -hmm. They were in higher alert. Um, But the dog that they had to do the drug screenings was (laughs) a Cocker Spaniel, (laughs) because Cocker Spaniels apparently have better noses at detecting drugs than the German shepherds that we use here in the United States. Like we all here in the United States use some variation of, like we're trying to do a two in one. We're trying to have an attack dog and a drug dog in one, right? Where (laughs) in the UK, apparently they're just like, no. Yeah, they're more specialized. We're just, no, we just need a drug dog here. And so it was this adorable little Cocker Spaniel with these guards checking everybody's bags. At one point, I did ask them, can I pet the Cocker Spaniel? (laughs) And they were like, of course, yes. And I just sat there and chatted with them about the Cocker Spaniels and what their training process is, like all of this stuff. I would never do that here in the United States. I would be too scared. I thought about moving and feeling like there was not a part of America for us. Mm. And I just felt a certain type of way because... I mean, my thought was, if you're not, yeah, historically, we, there was no place for us. Um, but yeah. you just make your own place. It's like, and I'm going to find my own, my own spot, my own niche, and like claw it out of it. In the process of starting to think about what it means to maybe leave the United States mm-hmm. for a year or two, the thing that's kind of bummed me out is that I can't, unfortunately, because of the nature of my work, I can't really go to certain areas for a long period of time because of the nature of how I work with clients and how I work and interact with y'all. Um, it just has to be high-speed internet. And there are very so I c- there are very few places I can actually go where the internet is like consistent, always on, running, and I have it, you know? So I've had to acknowledge the fact that like 
Unfortunately, I have to go to a Western European country, probably. Probably, you know? Which kind of bums me out. Or maybe I'm wrong. Y'all tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, I'm very, I've barely tapped the surface of where could I potentially go if I want to live abroad, you know? So. So I actually just had the thought of, so what makes a person an expatriate as opposed to an immigrant? <laughs> Nothing, probably. Well, so, I mean, it is, it is borderline semantics, but the definitions that I've found are an expatriate is someone who lives not necessarily permanently or for a long extended period in another country as opposed to an immigrant who is trying to live there for the rest, like, permanently. Yeah, they're trying to stay. Whereas an right. expatriate is like, eh, I'm just kind of here chilling. Well, I'm so going to go back home probably. There's also... Um, Maybe. I mean, there's socioeconomic differences as well, obviously, because yeah. immigrants typically are leaving either war-torn or less desirable areas and coming into a more, quote-unquote, developed place, mm. trying to find, you know, better financial compensation and all that other good stuff. I mean, I guess... The differentiator that I was trying to get to was ah. like expatriates, like there's a socioeconomic difference. Expatriates are going to be people who can afford to either to go and live and they're, they're going to live in another country almost as if vacationing. Mm -hmm. And so you have the money, you don't necessarily, you know, have that stigma against you as opposed to somebody with nowhere else to go trying to find a better place to live in XYZ country. And then people saying, well, I mean, what do they bring to the table? They can't even speak the language. And it's just like, and there's all these negatives. Um, and so it's funny because you're, the solution for you is to be a, an expatriate, which is a higher class or like a higher tier of immigrant. Mm. And so these other people who are trying to do the same thing have stigma placed against them and physical threats and assault placed against them. And so in these other countries, depending on the country, you know, like the place that you feel is safe and has less stigma actually has more for people who may look like you, but come from like different countries in Africa or people of like limited English areas or, or things like that. Yeah, I mean, so the thing I'm talking about doing is definitely one of the few privileges I can do as right. an American. And, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. I was just, you know, just throwing ideas out like, oh, wow, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean... And I guess the other thought about that, too, is it just because I leave doesn't necessarily mean that I won't still get some of that stigma. Sure. You know? Because, again, like you said, there isn't really anywhere I can go as a dark-skinned woman that questions about my ethnicity? No. Nationality. That's the word. Questions about my... I get the two mixed up a lot. Questions about my nationality won't arise. I mean, when we were in Ireland, they thought I was from Jamaica. <laughs> when I was in the UK, people didn't really ask at all because I think there's just enough diversity there where they can just kind of assume that. Here in the United States, I get asked where I'm from well, you all were the time. You were also in like the bigger metro areas in the UK yeah. where there I it is a lot more multicultural. Right, yeah. But if you went to some of the other places, it'd be like... Sure. I mean, wherever there's going to be, like, a lack of diversity, people are going to just kind of question what's happening. Sure. But I just, I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, and I'd be down. Would you be down? You made it, you, I feel like you've, like, flip-flopped a couple of times. You've, you've flip-flopped coffee shop a lot uh, on this. I mean, I've, are you shouting out that coffee shop in Laredo that <laughs> may or may not be open anymore because of COVID? Oh yeah. Mm. I hope y'all are, because y'all were delightful. 
Yeah, they're definitely an oasis. Um, God, speaking so ill of that city. I know. Why? They have delicious food. Though it's just like you don't get a whole bunch of, oh, man, what are we getting into right now? Um, you just don't get a whole lot of, not modern amenities, but it's like quasi-European. I mean, like having an actual coffee shop. I mean, Starbucks is popular there, but having a, another sort of like non-corporate, and, and I'm just kind of like spitballing here. But like, so what's missing in Laredo? It's like, oh, it's the culture. But what's part of that culture? Oh, it's the American culture, or like the other parts of, like, you know what I mean? I don't. What do you mean? What's? I don't think anything's missing in Laredo. Well, it's it's just like a different mindset. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. Well, I mean, it's it's a it's a large ranch town. Like mm-hmm. that's that's what it is. Yeah. Um. But so you have a you have its own culture or it has its own culture. And then you have things like the flip-flop coffee shop, which is something that you wouldn't necessarily expect in that culture. You know, it's a different culture being transplanted in there. We're just talking about transplant right now. I guess so. I mean, we can just roll on whatever. I'll figure it out. I mean, (laughs) sorry. I mean, I was like, again, not trying to like trash. but It's like on the subject of transplants. No, no, no. This is actually a good point because I, something that, and maybe this is maybe it is because I feel like if I leave somewhere, then there's a layer of my identity that is not bound by where I am then at that I'm cool with. You know what I mean? So in Laredo, whenever I go to Laredo, I have no I don't expect anything from there because I'm not from Laredo. So it's like Laredo doesn't owe me anything. So I'm just going to be here and enjoy my time here and make the most of what the city has to offer me. Mm. Um, but I have no pretense about Laredo. So everything is a pleasant surprise <laughs> to me in Laredo. You know, like going downtown in Laredo and finding little shops and seeing cute little clothes that, yeah, maybe they might be a little cheaply made or whatever. So is the shit from Old Navy. It's all cheaply made. Who cares? That's true. You know? But <laughs> so they charge a lot less in Laredo. Sure. Um engaging with community in Laredo as much as I can. Again, I don't speak the language. Um, it's all great. Like, I enjoy all of it because oh, wow, it's a so culture. It's, it is a rich and vibrant culture. It isn't technically mine. To a degree it is because it's Texas, but it isn't technically my biological heritage culture, right? And so I can appreciate Laredo for what it is, and I can respect it for what it isn't. And so I think that's kind of how I feel when I leave the United yeah, States. I just made that connection. I was like, oh, wow, the way that I feel about Laredo is the way that you could, like, is the, is the argument that you're making about leaving for another country. One of the fans is being kind of crazy. You can't hear it. Okay. You won't pick it up in there. Um, yeah, so that was the point. It's like, oh, wow, it's crazy because I have... You have a lot of expectations of Laredo that you are waiting for it to fail on. Well, and it's not even... And it's even like, who cares? You don't live here. But it's, it's, not, it's not expectations. It's actually like a void. So like I f- I I feel and I uh, interpret or not interpret but I just perceive negatives like yeah. there's there's a lack so like what what is this place lacking and like a flip flop coffee shop is like holy crap I I would never have even imagined that type of place here but it's like it's not like it's like oh a what place, you think people a, don't like coffee in a Laredo? place that builds <laughs> missiles. I would never have experienced It's like, yeah, it's nothing that outlandish. Yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah. it's a coffee shop. Yeah. But it's an independent coffee. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, sure. But at the same time, it's also like, it's. I mean, I guess it's, I understand why it's surprising. But at the same time, I'm also like, cool. 
you know? Mm. So, I don't know. That's, I think that is how I feel about leaving, is that in a way, and so maybe, I mean, I think I'm the first to admit that in a way it is kind of like running, trying to run away. I tried to run it away, you know? <laughs> but, you're, but you're not running. <laughs> tried to put one in the air. <laughs> tried to put one in the air. This place, I'm out. Uh, okay. <laughs> Bleeping that out. Yeah. Um, it's far enough into the video, it won't actually matter for AdSense. <laughs> Um, no, I, I don't really think of it as running away. I think initially you, you pitched it as running away from all this, like all the garbage of 2020 in the U S like, I think that's how you originally pitched it, but I don't see it as that necessarily. It's just, we've lived, I mean, I'm 33, Mm -hmm. you're going to be 30 in like a week. By the time this, it's going to date this. Yeah. By the time this, this podcast comes out, I'll be 30. So For 30, those of y'all listening, I'm like doing a little jig silently. Mm, but we've all, we've lived that amount of time here in the U.S. and say, like, okay, we know what this place is about for the most part. I mean, we haven't yeah. lived in the entirety of it. Right. But, but you, you get a good sense of it. <laughs> yeah. After we, we got a the third vibe. of our lives. Yeah. There's an aesthetic and we figured it out. <laughs> um, but so you just make the argument of what if we just live somewhere else? Like, oh, okay. Yeah. We've what, also only ever lived in Texas. Right. Well, I've lived other places but yeah sure i mean have you oh wait yeah california i count maryland virginia like i knew i feel like you have lived in a place once you like know the highways and know where you're going you know what i'm saying Mm. you've lived there (laughs) so virginia maryland yeah for me it's indiana and texas that's it yeah, Virginia, Maryland, te- Texas, and Cali. California. Well, L.A., I guess. South, Cali- South California, I guess. So making the argument to to leave, um, I mean, it, it's not much of an argument because we don't have, again, a, we have the the beauty of not having kids. Like, I feel like, yeah, and actually, so your job is doesn't really have roots. You right. know what I mean? Like, it's Which not is what physically I like about rooted. It. Yeah, yeah. You can go wherever you want to. I I just need internet. That's all I need. It's I'm, good internet. <laughs> I'm just always down for change. For the are most you? part. Which is weird. You which actually this is a good point. You are usually down for like absurd life changes randomly, but then like the little stuff, you're like, What? How did that go from over here to uh, over there? I'm feel a certain type of way about well, that. <laughs> But I, I, I think it's part of the maturation po- process for me because I just wanted roots because I thought roots are what stabilized you. And then the uh. more that I thought about, oh, okay, well, yeah, you got a job and you've got like the relationship component of it, being married, and then I don't know what else. Like you just have different root systems, but then you just pick and choose like, oh, wait, but that's that's actually not really giving me any stability, mm-hmm. the debt. Like, okay, well, I could do without that. And then this other thing, student loans, I could do without that. Yeah. But then if I cut those other root systems down, I really don't need a root system because this thing, this like little nubby root at the surface is all I need. Yeah. Oh, okay. So then what if we were to just grow over there? Oh, that place over there by the stream and the sun? That looks cool. Yeah. I I mean, I'd I'd be down to do it. I'm like, okay, great. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I also low-key think, like, my with my future thinking thoughts, you know, mm. thinking long-term, 
part of me is also like, I feel like we're living in an age where we're watching, and we've talked about this, we're watching the United States become not the... The pinnacle? Yeah, not the pinnacle of the world and the example to set and blah, not the, blah, blah. Not the, a- not the aspiration nation, I yeah, guess. Yeah, sure, whatever that language is. And part of me is like, okay, so we're becoming not the aspirational nation. Were we ever? This is a real question. Then should I be making plans to be the first one out? You know? Like, is this a future-proofing thing? to leave now while I can, you know? <laughs> I mean, I... And set up somewhere else, and then it is like, okay, now my parents can come, and now my... Like, the same way that people generationally can talk about, like, oh, yeah, we were actually from this country, and then my great-great-uncle came to the United States and started a coffee shop, and uh, that's how we got the rest of the family here, and there you go, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, should I be thinking about being that for my family? And by my family, I also mean your family. I think our, if I could use the root analogy again, I think our other families are too rooted to ever truly achieve that. I mean... Yes. Okay. Socially, like your parents have their own circle. My parents have their own circle. It's one of the reasons why my parents didn't move. I think, well, so not to say that, I think my parents could move if they could see that things were falling apart. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, I think they would pack up and do it. You forget but that my parents left their family and came to Texas. Right, but I mean, a lot of the times, it's a it's a frog in a pot of water situation where it happens so gradually that you don't realize you're dead till you're dead because the water, you're, you're not in, in boiling water until it happens. Right. Because it happens so gradually. Right, so that's why my thought process is, should I be the one that kicks it off and leaves first, well before there's frogs in pots? You know, no. So like, all the frogs are in pots, and then they, but they see you leave, and they're like, I don't know why she's leaving. Yeah, she said it's because of whatever reason. But I mean, my pot is fine. She's saying frogs are dying. I ain't seen no other frogs dying. But then I still think I think that something that could happen is I say I leave, right? Mm -hmm. When I we leave. (laughs) Ooh, okay. (laughs) I correct you. Incorrect me. I'm just, going I'm, just, I'm just trying to, to <laughs> get the, the dialogue moving. Let's go. So say we leave, right? And let's just throw Spain out there. Okay. Say we leave and move to Spain. Hmm. And we set up in Spain, and it's great. You get a job in a hospital or doing coding or something like that. And I'm a, a YouTuber in Spain <laughs> now <laughs> making videos. And there you go. Life is good. Our parents, like say our parents come to inevitably visit Mm -hmm. and they can feasibly stay a little bit longer because they're not having to worry about where they're staying, hotel and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like that is how you begin to plant the seeds of them thinking, okay, truly, what does it mean to transition? I'm not trying to force our families to move to wherever we move, but I'm just saying that like. So I I agree that that is a thing. That is probably a thing. And I agree that that is more than likely a concept that has legs, right? Mm-hmm. But that you have to make an argument that other people have the same mindset. So that, oh, well, the nation's falling apart and it's like, well, I mean, our our little basement bunker, like our, our part of the country is fine. Yeah. Like it's not falling apart. So why would I move? Why would I leave? Because right. I've got social security and I've got this and our house is already paid off. And 
It's like, we have access to hospitals. I got good insurance. And it's like, all these other things. It's like, why would I leave? Yeah. So it's making them buy. It may be easier because, yeah, now there's a, a seed in there. But the seed doesn't necessarily, I don't know why I'm on the plant metaphors today. But the seed doesn't necessarily take root. It's yeah. just there. Like, you've dropped a seed. And it's like, oh, okay, well, a bird came and snatched it away <laughs> and ate it. <laughs> but the seed was there. Yeah. Okay, so slight shift in the conversation then. Yep. If we were to entertain moving, which we are kind of, sort of, not really. I mean, we kind of are. I am. I'm, yeah, doing, I, I'm open to it. I'm doing passive research. That's a good way to say this. I'm doing passive research about what it looks like to possibly maybe sort of GTFO. Mm-hmm. So if we were to GTFO, where would you be interested in moving to? Uh, I think we should also, well, we'll talk about that. And then at some point, I, I think we should get into why some people expatriate. So aside from like political and social unrest. Sure. Um, but this article from the New York Times, I don't know what year it was because I don't feel like scrolling all the way up. Uh, oh, it says in 2020. Cool. February 2020. Yeah, okay. They could, they could sense the tide. <laughs> oh, <I laughs> February <guess>. 2020. Um, <laughs> but it says uh, there was a 2019 expat insider survey from some place. How did they even conduct that? Know. Okay. Excuse me. They have a global network with members in 420 cities. Oh, okay. There was over 20,000 respondents. Uh, so millennials typically leave or live in the top 10 countries um, as follows. Number one, Argentina, Estonia. I don't even know where that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's in like the Eastern European bloc. Um, Ireland. Yeah. Norway, Germany, uh, the UAE, yeah. Netherlands, Finland, Poland, and Oman. That's interesting. I've heard, actually, I've heard good things about Oman. Creators for Change. Um Shag, she's she's based in Oman. Shag, and she, name. like, she's always said, if you ever come to Oman, I'm like, when am I coming to Oman? I don't know. <laughs> if you ever find yourself in Oman, if you ever find yourself in Oman, also shout out to you and your baby. I know they're like walking and talking now. It's adorable. I see all the little. She does the whole thing where you can't see the kid, but like she does artsy photos of oh, the kid like exists. Walking around. Yeah, it's cute. Nah. <laughs> I follow her on Instagram. Professionals, they live in number one Nigeria. And then yeah. Oman, yeah. Qatar, yeah. Kazakhstan, uh, Kuwait, Bahrain, Luxembourg, Singapore, Kenya, and the UAE. Yeah. Um, interesting. I love how... It's a lot of yeah. countries I would not have uh, figured. Is that... You think that's your closed-mindedness? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, there's... there's Again, I said that in, a, in an interview once somewhere where they were like, how do you feel about... Like, do you have any biases? It's like, if anyone tells you they ain't got biases, they're lying to you. Yeah. Everyone's got biases. Everyone's got bias. Sure. I don't think they appreciated that answer, but it's like, they were stupid. So. Well, I think <laughs> I think you were just on. Yeah, you were a little, I think you were a little too real in the moment. It's like, at some point, did you ever, like, did you automatically accept everybody? Or did you have to fight your own biases in order to get to this liberal position? And again, if you're fighting against something, it's either reinforcing it or it's breaking it. Right but it just makes your beliefs that much stronger. So sure. I'm not 100% the most progressive person or liberal person, but, I mean, I feel like there are certain liberties and things, whatever. The question was dumb. Um, <laughs> legitimate. But So for families, Finland, Bahrain, Cyprus, Oman, New Zealand, Chile. Oman is... Every, I, God, do is. I do come to Oman and visit you? Apparently, what, what I do. What language do they speak there? In Oman? I want to say it's Arabic. 
New Zealand, Chile, uh, Qatar, Denmark, Sweden, and Switzerland. Say it's Arabic, though. And then for retirees, it's Ecuador, Costa Rica, Philippines, Thailand, Dude, Portugal. Dude, people love Costa Rica. Well, it's a, so it's all the places that you assume lower cost of living. Thailand, Portugal, Mexico, Panama, Bulgaria, Spain, and France. Not a lot of good health care in most of these countries, though. Like, blanket, just a blanket statement. Not a lot of good health care places, with the exception of probably Spain and France. Yeah, yeah, it's um, Arabic. Oman, it's Arabic and English. How do you say tasty chicken in, in Arabic? <laughs> tasty, tasty chicken? chicken in Arabic? <laughs> what? Dujajon ledidon. Dujaj? Dujaj Interesting. Well, so like in college, a friend of mine said, oh, you say tasty chicken by saying dujaj tayyib, but this, I don't know what that means. Dujaj is, tasty maybe? was right. But chicken? apparently chicken was, was not... Actually, I think it's the other way. I think it's, this is chicken, and that's tasty. Oh. Like, let's, ask let's it how to say... say tasty. No, ask how to say chicken. Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, I'm very open to a lot of different countries. Like, I'm interested in Spain because I'm interested to learn Spanish. Mm-hmm. So that would be interesting. And I've already been there. So it's like, all right, cool. This is neato. The food was good. Really enjoyed it. And then there's also, I've heard good things about Portugal. So I'm like, let me look into Portugal real quick. That's also, I mean, it's right by Spain. I'm kind of interested in those places. I'm curious to just go back to Ireland, mostly from a business perspective, because I know in Ireland they have a lot of well-known. Tax incentives. Yeah. And there's a lot of bigger corporate companies there that ha- that are technically American companies that are based there. So it's that possibility of, again, maintaining that sort of corporate connection mm-hmm. with clients. And then Ireland's pretty. It's really pretty. It's really green. The people are hella nice. I remember that was one of the things I really loved about Ireland. The people are just so sweet there. Even on the video, <laughs> the videos that I did about us going to Ireland, mm-hmm. I still get comments from Irish people on those videos saying, I'm so glad you liked it here. Thank you so much. Please come back. Like, they're just so sweet. <laughs> it's very, it's very sweet. I mean, I'm sure they have crime and all the other stuff, but... Yeah, I mean, in I, general, I read that book about the IRA. I mean, that was right. in Northern Ireland, but still, it was like, oh ooh, my god! Yeah, that was. But ooh. and again, it was English occupation, and we're not technically going to go into that. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. So heavy. I'm curious about Ireland. I mean, London would be cool, I guess, or whatever. I feel like that's overplayed. I know in that last podcast we talked about part of the reason why I stay in Texas is to have a better connection with what I feel. More, more of a more of the population goes through in life rather than having that sort of very niche reality of a New York or an LA or a London, you know. Um, and so, like, I'm interested in London only because of colonialism <laughs> and the fact that you know, if you're in London, then you have access to literally the rest of the world. And it makes no sense geographically. It is only because of colonialism that that is what that is, where it's like, wow, if we lived in London, I could easily get to Africa that much faster. You know, I could easily get to just other places Mm. that much faster because London is such a hub. Um, That just annoys me, but it's the reality of the situation. So I'd consider London. And then... If I could find places, again, I haven't done enough research and I'm very ignorant on just what's happening in South America overall, 
but I would be a little more interested in living in Costa Rica or somewhere like that, a little more tropical, a little more melanated, for lack of a better word, um, just because I've never experienced living in an environment like that as an adult. When I went back to Virginia growing up as a kid, um, there was still a bit of a cultural disconnect, um, mostly based around class, going back to see my extended family. Mm -hmm. So I never really, I always felt like I loved it there, but at the same time, I never really felt like I quite belonged, you know? Part of that is just like I'm a kid. I'm still figuring out who I am to begin with. But I would be curious and interested to try somewhere in the Caribbean, maybe, or just, um, yeah, Mexico and below. I know Mexico City is amazing. You know, I hear great things about Mexico City a lot. I'd be curious to check that place out. It's relatively close. I mean, it's like a two-hour flight from here. It's very close. Um, I know you have mixed feelings on Mexico City, <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's not even necessarily Mexico City, but it's just, like, in Mexico. Like, oh, okay. Sure, sure. Um, there's a lot of different places I'm interested in. I think it would be really cool to live in Ghana or live in Nigeria for a little while. Just live in places that, I guess, what is it, genealogically I am from, but I am not of that place, technically. Mm. So I can't, you know, I'm not trying to claim any of those countries as my home country or anything like that, because, no. Well, I mean, what does it matter? It, it doesn't. Well, I'm just saying, I know that's like, that's a conversation within the black community that comes up a lot of like, can black Americans who are descendant of slaves really like claim any heritage within the continent? And I kind of like, no. I think it would be great to experience and see people that look like me in all the different varying stages of, like, existence, you know? I guess with me, it's, um, I have a couple other questions or concerns. Um, living in a place where you are not of that country, then do you have any ownership, you have no ownership in politics? Like, you can verbalize things. Right, you usually can't vote or anything like that. Well, so, I mean, you are just living in a purgatory, purgatory of sorts. Because you have no voice in the way things are. I mean, does your voice mean anything here in the States? You can argue for and against that. Oh, I forgot. Germany. Sorry. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, if you're in this other place, then you, you're just living. That's not a bad thing. But you, you're just not. You can't exercise any civic duty. I mean, you can join protests and you can do I don't know what to have a voice or to exercise your voice. But you're not of that place. Like, you're living in that place, so it's affecting you. Sure. I mean, that's just one component of it for me. It's like, oh, well, I mean, you're just... And a lot of people in the U.S., unfortunately, obviously, according to a lot of the data, do not participate in voting. They do right. not participate in local elections, which is what impacts your day-to-day -day life anyway. Yeah, our voter turnout as a country is like one of the lowest of Repub democratic republics. Well, and it's also... right. Well, it's also because we don't have a national holiday, even though Congress has the ability to do that right. and refuses to do so. Right. Which should be the next thing that we hold people accountable for. Sure, is to sure, make sure. it a national holiday so everyone can have the opportunity to vote. Right. Anyway, um, but then on top of that, I mean, it's a running joke in, the, in uh, pop culture that nobody wants to be in a jury. So, like, a jury of your peers where, again, you're, you literally have the fate of another person in your hands and you refuse to actively participate in that. Um, and, I mean, it just goes on and on. So you could just make 
the case that, well, it's just an extension of that is just doing that in another country. Even though, actually, you, you still get mail-in ballots, I think, if you're an expat. And so you still vote. I guess I just never really felt like I... If you're really getting down into, like, the group... Like, granular identity for me, I never really belonged anywhere. I mean, as as per my comments in Laredo, like, I didn't feel like I belonged in Laredo. Like, I just felt like a weirdo there. Um, I went and lived in Indiana for a period of time. So I, don't, I don't belong here either. And then we're here in San Antonio. There was a period where I didn't feel like I belonged, but then living with you and then living here for a while. It's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I, oh, okay. I can live practically anywhere, it seems like. It doesn't necessarily, I don't necessarily have that, not that feeling of ownership, but I don't feel like I belong in any one place. It's just wherever I, I feel like living. It's more where I feel comfortable. And again, a lot of that is based on biases or like... uh just what I've been told, as opposed to having actually experienced. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. So by that logic, I mean, where do you feel like you would be most comfortable if not here in Texas? Because I mean, right now you're debating leaving. I guess I'd be curious to know because so in a Patreon, uh, in a Monday motivation on Patreon, someone had asked what it was like living in San Antonio as a black woman. And right. so I did a Monday motivation on that for the patrons just talking about that because there are, interestingly, even though we're based in the South, there's a lot of folks that watch slash listen to us that are based above the Mason-Dixon somewhere and are maybe thinking about moving to the South. Mm. And it's been interesting to see that, uh, remember there was a Say It Loud episode, Immigration and Migrations, and they talked about black Americans and how we collectively have just moved across the country. And now there's this new age of people coming back. Like they, everyone left the South to find a better life and this and that. Right. And now generations are coming back to get that sense of place back. Um, and so it's been interesting to see like people, people's perceptions of living down here versus living in the North. And I guess my question for you is what I ended up talking about in that, Monday motivation is you just have to figure out what your poison is, you know, like what are the pain points that actually matter to you in your life? And part of that won't, you partly won't figure those out until you go live somewhere else for a little while. Mm. Like you might have to move here to Texas. I think I said that in the video with them was like, you might have to move here to Texas to realize you don't like it or to realize what you actually like about living above the Mason Dixon, you know? And so for me, I know that, yeah, living above the Mason-Dixon is not necessarily something I'm interested in, even though I know that I can culturally navigate the space. Um, I do think I'm a relatively adaptable person. I can adapt to the space. I can adapt to officially having four seasons. I can adapt to all of that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but I know just overall, you know, there I, I really do enjoy and appreciate the Southern hospitality. Like I do enjoy and appreciate the civility. That's not the right word, but just like the cultural the courtesy, the cur yeah, the cultural courtesy that is being from a Southern state. And I, and for better or worse, I, I know how to navigate that racism as well. So like I talked about moving to California and yeah, the weather was great, this, that, and the third or whatever. But when I was trying to make a career out there, 
I always felt like someone was just pulling me back, you know? Like I could not get a leg in no matter what I did. Even though here in Texas, with my film degree, with my experience, I could get an interview mm. and it could go well. And I could see, not to diss the other people that were in the interviews with me, but I could see like, yeah, I'm the best candidate, you know? <laughs> and it is up to them to hire me. And so in Texas, it was easier for me to understand here in Texas how to navigate, like, yeah, there's going to be biases, there's going to be racism, this, that, and the third, sure. But money matters most. Business is business here in Texas. And so they're always going to go with who's got the best skills for potentially the lowest price or who's going to give me a deal, who's going to invest in me, who's going to have that interpersonal soft business skills with me, mm. right? And that is what sets me apart. That is what, like helps me to get past the sort of immediate deficit that people that I have to deal with of being black and a woman, right? And I know how to navigate within the Texas space to get that done and have a career. And so it's about like, that's not the most ideal situation to be in, but I have learned how to navigate and I've learned how to figure out how to work with that poison. And so I guess my question for you is like, what are your poisons? So then you can start to figure out a place that has them that align with you, you know? But I mean, like, I just didn't, like, I've known racism and I've, I've known discrimination to an extent, but it hasn't been, I mean, I've, I've had it easy. So sure. you could say that that's painted a rosy picture of, you know, just the United States and Texas and everything else, like all the other places that I've lived in. But like, I, I don't know what the system is in any other country that's non-Western European. Oh, but they have a rich culture and they have all this stuff. It's like, yeah, I'm sure all those things are true. I would not want to live there because of X, Y, and Z reason. Yeah. I mean, with that, though, it's more just like, my thing with that, all of that kind of stuff is also just, you have to remember how much the media only shows you sure. the negativity. Because, I mean, at this rate, I'm I'm so curious to see what the rest of the world shows about us. You know what I mean? Because, mm. I mean, realistically, they could just, which they probably do, show that, wow, look at these Americans having to pay X amount of dollars for simple drugs that we get for, like, $2. Mm. <laughs> look at these Americans not being able to, or, like, everyone's got guns there. You can just walk out on the street and just get shot, which is, like, low-key true, technically. But, you know, to us, it's just like, what? You're not going to just get shot, you know? Fair. So, to me, it's more just about I think it's more just like trying to do your own digging to see what is actually happening in a country, hmm. you know, rather than relying on mainstream media to tell you what is happening in a country. Yeah, but you're not going to know what it's like in the country aside from actually living there. True. And there are some that I'm like, I don't, I don't need to give it the benefit of the doubt. I just don't want to live there. I think there's definitely ways you can see what a country is like. There, like I said, there's so many people now that live in Europe that are trying to see what it's like to live in Texas. So they watch me, you know, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Like I watch people that are in other parts of the world so I can see what it's like to live over there. Cause I don't know. And I mean, I'm sure, I mean, like you said, everyone has biases. I'm sure they're probably showing sometimes the best parts, you know, or the prettiest parts or whatever the thing is. But how is that any different from the people that live in New York and are like, New York's so great, Big Apple, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> New York's all right. Yeah, I mean, I guess I just, going back a long time ago in the earlier part of the podcast. <laughs> this um, is like a two-hour podcast. Well, the conversation, crazy. it was, I mean, it, it is 
to an extent about leaving. It is about cutting and running. Yeah. And that's a very individualistic take on it because if things just got, and a lot of people don't have the privilege of, yeah, I mean, either being able to cut and run to another country or, you know, they can't afford it or, I mean, any any other number of things. Those are really the two big ones, but. Yeah. So then what are, what option do they have? Like, it's an option for us, but is it something that you necessarily need to take? Or is it, along with everything else that was coming on this year, um, another opportunity to fight, another opportunity to stand up or kneel down or do whatever is necessary to make this increasingly deteriorating, deteriorating situation, scenario, country, whatever, political base, better. And so, like, if all the influential people just up and left, then what would we have? I mean, sure. I guess my rebuttal to that is, and I don't know if this is just the hard logic part of me speaking now, but it's just, like, if you see the ship is sinking, why are you staying on it when there's a raft? You know? So, like, do you want me to go down with the Titanic or do you want me to get on a raft? That's my, that's, like, where my thoughts immediately go. The second round of thinking that I have is, and I don't know if this would have been a podcast, but what do I really owe this country? <laughs> like, really, that has not already been paid by my immediate family and or my ancestry. Nothing, like, but it's, it's... We've paid enough. I've I, My people have paid enough. I'm done, you know? See, but it's not about payment. It's like, uh, it's similar to Social Security or income tax or, you know, state taxes or whatever. So why do I keep having to pay into that? Well, because it actually goes into, um, you know, roads and schools and the betterment of X, Y, and Z. Sure, sure, sure. So what do you owe the country? Nothing. I mean, you, you don't. Just because you were born into it, gives you the privilege of being part of the discourse for the country. Yeah, maybe your voice is lost in the shuffle. Yeah, maybe there are systems acting against you, um, yeah, to, like, marginalize you. And it's like, okay, well, the buy-in was low because you're already here. Sure. So what else do you have to give? You don't have to give anything that you don't want to. It could be zero. It be goose egg. But... I don't know. I, I just see it as because you just you have that sense of duty just because you were you were born into this country. Unfortunately, you do have like there is civic duty. That's that's why it's called duty. Sure. So there are things that you participate in that. Yeah, um, they are historically racist and they are historically disenfranchising. But you do it because you try to leave it a little bit better for the next generation. I mean, sure. All of that sounds great and whatnot. My, I just, I guess my counter to that is why can't I go somewhere where potentially I am appreciated in the civic duty or I'm appreciated in the fact that I'm trying to come here and make it better, not necessarily 
here in the United States where all around me, it seems like no one actually, whether I'm trying to be community-minded or not, they don't care. The community is rejecting me. So why am I then trying, that's like the definition of an abusive relationship. Why am I trying to give back into a community that does not want me to? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, okay, let me go somewhere then where they want me to. Well, what makes you think that they want you to? What I don't you, know if until you, I go. <laughs> what makes you think that any of these countries, aside from uh, possible like tax, not relief, but I mean any taxes or any money that they can get out of you, what makes you think that they want you? I mean, I don't know. Well, what what if what if the op- I'm, I'm just being a contrarian at this point. Well, what if the option sure. is that no no country wants us? And it's because it's like, oh, it's it's not because of your race, but it's because of your class, or it's not because of that, it's because you're American. Sure. And we know that you don't care, and we know that you're very individualistic and blah 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 blah. And it's like you're just an interloper. You're inserting yourself, like you mentioned, like you're just inserting yourself into this country. Um and if all you care about is just living, then that's fine. But again, it's it's a tourist mindset because then it's like we're struggling because my kids aren't in a good school right now, just because we're like, yeah. There's a lot of social programs and there's a lot of this and that, but you know, like there's there's struggle, there's mm-hmm. poverty, there's this and that, and so you come here for your benefit, but now you're just you're just reaping the benefits out of everything that I pay into the system, and so what if the what if the situation is that we don't belong anywhere? I would rather want to know that, you know. I would rather want to go... You would rather go and experience it and understand, oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. So that way then I can come back here and be like, for better or worse, y'all got me. So it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather that. I'd rather know. Yeah. The grass is always greener until you jump the fence and it's just painted concrete. (laughs) You bust your face. (laughs) You come over and you're like, the grass is, is better. It's not greener. But it's softer on the side. I yeah, and I still again I still think there is it is more about picking your poison. I think no matter where you go, you're gonna feel a certain type of way about a place. Mm. But I think I think I think the other reason why I'm interested to try is also because I know enough about who I am now to know what I can offer another country as well. Like as a human being, here's what I know I can bring to your people country your culture your people and if you will accept me i will bring those things now y'all can tell me that you don't want those things then it's not that i am less than or anything like that it's just that's not what y'all want it's the same thing with you when you're like applying for a job or something like that you know you may just might not be a good fit for the job you're not what they're looking for that doesn't mean you don't have value it just means you're not what they're looking for and so i would rather figure that out Right now, here in the U.S., it feels like I have a lot of value and I am not what this country is looking for. So let me go somewhere where I am what they're looking for. Hmm. Interesting. I just see in other people, or not other people, I just see in other countries, um, and it's, it's, it's probably just, you know, the media, like the popular media, but I just see that people don't care about like they only care about oh man how do i how do i voice this it's like oh well you're just you're still coming over 
but you're taking my job or you're taking a job that we could have had. It's like, my man, you don't know tech. You you don't know anything about tech. Right. You would never have had this job. Right. <laughs> so the opportunity was not yours to lose. I can be an amazing filmmaker anywhere. Are you, Ireland, looking for amazing filmmakers? I am one. Right. I will make your films for you. I will make your Irish films, you know? <laughs> Send us to the Cliffs of Moher. Yeah. You know, are you, I don't know, uh, are you, Costa Rica, looking for a great documentarian to tell the Costa Rican story? I will come if you will let me, if I am what you're looking for, and tell your Costa Rican story and help you become the best Costa Rica. Also, like, the last, just the last hurdle that I'm going to toss sure. out is, so how do you deal with problematic history? So, like, let's say we go to Spain. Yeah. And we know we know what their reign brought, and then the UK. Yes, yes we do. France <laughs> and, like, all these other places. So, like, how do you how do you reconcile, yeah, now... They're more progressive. They're looking back. And sure, sure, sure. Whatever. But, I mean, is that even something that you maybe have to grapple with? I think it is still something I have to grapple with. I mean, going to London and walking into the African wing. Or the just a museum of stolen artifacts. Yeah, I was just like, wow, look at all these... <laughs> Look at all these beautiful artifacts. Look how I have to come to a Western European country to learn about the continent of Africa. Okay. You know, <laughs> like, it's, be it's beautiful to be amongst all that, but it's also just like, wow. You're not taking ownership of that country. Again, it's, there is privilege in this entire exercise. Yes. You're going in, and you don't necessarily have to grapple with, you know, Germany's mixed pass, past. If anything, I feel like Germany is a prime example of what it means to actually try to atone as a country for what right. you've done, but I which mean, the United States is not. Sure. But very, very true. You know, I think my thing with that mindset or that thing is like, tell, show me a country that does not have flaws, and I'll be delighted to move there. <laughs> You're making good points. I guess we're moving. <laughs> anyway, that's our time here at Stumble. Well, I mean, I'm just kind of like. No, you you countered all my points. I was like, okay, I mean, you're you're making. You make sense. You have thought about this more than I <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's just like... I'm just doing devil's advocate stuff over here, and you're like, no, but per <laughs> the historical court documents of, or the historical court records of X and Z. Yeah, I mean, I guess my thought process is just like, I don't know. It's hard. I understand what you're talking about, because like, yeah, moving to Spain, they did some crazy stuff to a lot of people. As we, as I'm sure you watched yeah, from the doc. Yeah, the John Lee. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I see that. I get it. I understand it. Um, and then at the same time, I'm also like, and this is not to say whose pain is the worst pain. Who's, who ranks in right. the ranking of detriment happening to them. Um, I think for me, it's more just like, generation i can because of the experiences and because of the history and the culture that i have as an american as a black american who is descendant of an enslaved people i can go to an another country and have a very strong understanding and anger right in what that country has done to other people are you are you thinking about leaving the country let us know in the comments below and uh, this was a riveting discussion. I'm going to have a lot of fun editing the, like, yeah, two hours I mean, of I footage. Don't, I don't know <laughs> what you're going to get out of this, but <laughs> it's been 25 minutes. Well, okay. it's 25 minutes again. Yeah. 
Stumble well, stumble on, and we'll see you next time. Bye.